Hello, this is Anne Levine, and this is your Anne Levine show, starring Michael Hill. Hi. Ebullient and effervescent. It is January 9th, 2024. Yes. Gosh, I love Devo. I loved them. Then I love them now. Um, I it's a great song. I loved them then. Wait, how did that go? I don't know. Not worth it. It is a great song. And I'm playing it because in my continuing Martin Scorsese dive, I did Casino yesterday. And they played Devo a few times. So they were playing... Um, contemporaneous songs to where, when, and what was going on at the time. I gotta say, it's one of the it's one of the Scorsese films that almost has a happy ending. Although, you know, that's hard to say when there's a scene where Joe Pesci has a guy's head in a vice and his eyes pop out and then his skull crushes. Yeah. You know, there's a little bit of that. Well, it's probably happy for somebody, just not that guy. I'm not sure that... uh, it's happy for anyone in particular. Um, All right. Well, you know, the people who don't have to deal with that guy anymore are probably pretty happy about it. Yeah. No, I don't know. no one really had to deal with that guy. But anyway, to find out, watch it. It is an excellent film. There are, that I would say is the most gory moment. And it's a moment. They don't you know, drag you through it. It doesn't, it's not a long, horrible thing. It's a short, horrible thing. And then um, there's another thing where Joe Pesci does most of the the hitting and the vicing and the, the, the torture-y stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but a lot of it I realized... I was really paying attention this time, uh, is not shown. So there's this one scene where he beats someone, I don't know if it was to death or almost to death. Either way, it was terrible. But you don't see it happening. You yeah. see what he's using, but and it's in front of a bar. Kind of makes it worse, really. In a restaurant. But you're seeing it. You're not seeing what's happening to the guy. You're seeing the the scene from behind the bar. So it's like some guys, some other goombas, their words, not mine, standing around watching. Um, So... It's it's extraordinary. Sharon Stone really did a good job. Sharon Stone is not someone of whom I'm terribly fond. Okay. Um, that being said, this is my all-time favorite performance of hers. And um, she was incredible. She was so good at being all the different things she had to be um, in that film. And her um, just losing grasp on life. I got to say one thing about this film. 
there is a scene, and this is a, a theme that goes on through the film, um, where it's the very beginning. They just got married, and among other things, Robert De Niro gives her a big leather jewelry box. And I mean, it's not a jewelry box with drawers. It's a jewelry box you don't see too often. It's a big, I don't know, it's got to be 20 inches by 20 inches by 3 or 4 inches deep, soft leather, velvet lined. Something you don't see too often. And she lifts the lid and it's Bulgari, the gold letters. And of course, this box is like full of everything you want, you've ever wanted. Let me change the pro t- pronoun. Okay. I want, I've ever wanted. Okay. Yeah. The snake bracelets. The, oh, it's it's crazy. Anyway, um, what was my point? Please tell me. There was a point to the beginning of you this. You like jewelry. Mm. Okay, anyway, if anyone wants to write in with the point, please do. It wasn't that. Anyhow, in the beginning... It was a love story and lots of eye candy. You know, everyone looked incredible. Everyone was beautiful. And it was filmed in 1980, I think, and released in 82. So everyone was at the height. Uh, you know, in the prime. Right. Like Big, Sharon. beautiful shoulder pads. Uh-huh. Well, there weren't too many shoulder pads, but Sharon went there a little bit. Where she overrated. Uh-huh. Um, with her wardrobe. Um, she was a very tasteless woman. Um, but... Like, De Niro, his clothes were wild, which was a choice that was made specifically. He was dressed impeccably, but I got to say, there were a lot of Steve Harvey moments. Uh, He was in a shirt, in a tie, in, you know, a suit, that was tailored and pressed to perfection. That was one thing I did notice, was that the tailoring on the clothes was amazing. And for the good and for the bad. So De Niro, who's this fashion police, Um, with all the money in the world to spend on clothes and tailoring and so on, looked amazing. And then it's really, really a weird thing to say. Robert De Niro, fashion plate. Yeah, it's almost unimaginable. Well, what I mean, well, it's true. Um, Well, yeah, maybe for the movie. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that's... I mean, all I'm talking about is... Nowhere outside of that. No. He, they, whoever was the costumer was amazing. Because then what I was going to say is that, so you got that, right? Then you've got some kind of schlubby guy. Is he still beautiful? I mean, you said they were all beautiful at the beginning. Oh, it doesn't take place over, I don't know. Well, I mean, where'd, seven the, sh- years, where'd maybe? the schlubby guy come in? 
Oh, there's schlubby guys all throughout this. Not beautiful schlubby guys, just schlubby guys. Schlubby guys in their prime. Oh, what, I, okay. what I'm saying about all these people, like you had. Yeah, I recognize for, that. You had Smothers. I don't know which one. Which Smother was it? I don't know. Dicky. Dick Smothers. Uh, who? I'm a Facebook friend with Dick Smothers, you know. I know you. Yeah. You have the most amazing assortment of Facebook friends, and pretty much every time I mention anyone in any uh, what's the word? profession. Yeah. Well, it, you know what? It helps that I have a lot of comedian friends because mm-hmm. they have a lot of friends, and then they're you know it's all. It's the whole network thing. Yeah. Remind me, if you can remember, to mention the Marin Network. Okay. All right. So um, I just want to finish up here. There were schlubby guys, and the tailoring was terrible on purpose. But it was the tailoring, and it was stuff you really got to notice. Like you would look at someone and say, ugh. This person isn't looking too good. Um, But then if they turned around, you would notice, if you were me, Michael notices this stuff too, that the shoulders were terrible. Yeah. Were done terribly. And that it was an off-the-rack item that was cheap. And never mind. All right. So what was I going to say? The Marin Network. Um, as has become clear, I suppose, I listen to a lot of Mark Maron. Yeah, you've done kind of a flip-flop on him a few times. Well, he's changed so much since 2008, I think it was. Yeah, when, uh... When he started... His podcast or well, he's, he's changed since his uh, sweetheart died, and even before that, I I watched and I recommend highly doing this. Watch his last two specials, but watch the most recent one second. It's so interesting. I mean, it's kind of heartbreaking, too, but he was madly in love with Lynn Shelton. She died very suddenly during COVID times. Um, but the one, the uh, I don't have the name name of it in front of me. But anyway, it's the one that came out in, I think, 21. Mm-hmm. Or 20, and then there's one that came out in 23, From Bleak to Dark. Right, I've seen that one. Which is so fantastic. But it was interesting to see him doing um, the one before that. I mean, he seems a lot more grown up. Well, he... So, you know, like he's realized a few things, but... He got a hold of himself. Uh, Good for him. At some point in the last five to seven years. And he realized that all this anger and angst and neuroses that he had been vomiting all over his audience, you know, for... 30 years was not productive, not helpful, wasn't helping his career. And a lot of that came to him, I believe, or he says to, through the podcast and talking to all these different people and really having conversations and having deep conversations. You know, it's not about their project or their movie. You know, they'll talk about it, that. It really shouldn't be, yeah. It's a it's an extraordinary conversation between two human beings. 
and he's become more of a human being. It's really incredible. And so, and when he does something, um, I don't know, I'm going to say in his mind wrong, um, something about which he's embarrassed or he's regretful, he comes out and says it. You know, it's, it's amazing. You, it's not a Mark Marin that initially I stopped listening to because, because of all the vitriol. At any rate, what I was initially going to say is that when he has anyone on, if it's a musician, if it's a filmmaker, if it's another comedian, if it's an actor, actress, whoever it is, he knows everything about everything. You know, this guy's mind is packed and he knows all the people, you know, and he'll say, oh, yeah, I saw that film in, in 1962 starring blah, 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 and made by, and, you know, the PA was, it's incredible. Uh, and it makes for really interesting conversations. So I recommend him. I recommend the WTF podcast. You know what? That's the only thing I don't like about the show is the opening um, where he goes to the what t- the WTF list, which I can't say Okay. Um, on, on the air. But it's like the, well, I can say it with like fork. He'll say like, what the forkineers? What the Forkatarians, what the Fork, whatever. And he'll go on with a list of like five, six, seven of those. Mm-hmm. And I don't get it. Okay. Um, and it becomes tiresome to me he has changed other things about his intro that i like it's a fresh and if you've been listening to something once a week for whatever 15 years and nothing changes it gets really tiring and i guess it does doesn't it so he has changed everything up about his intro, just tweaked it slightly, except for his WTF list. And I'm that anyway, that's my only criticism of the show. Otherwise, it's really pretty amazing. He gets authors on or like astrophysicists yeah we should do that yeah call up some of your facebook people because you got a ton of them and like i said and let's uh let's do that ask them if they want to do it so okay so there was a casino and all that And then there's Taxi Driver. Now, I had not seen that film since it came out. And my childhood was a lot different than a lot of kids' childhoods because... My mother, who was kind of in charge of stuff like, can we go to this movie or not? She couldn't care less what movie we went to. And we saw a lot of things that maybe we shouldn't have seen. A lot of things that we certainly did not understand. And what I found out by watching Taxi Driver again is that I never understood it. I never knew 
100% what was going on, who these characters were, what their lives were. Um, the ending is so shocking, which I didn't realize. Never thought, thought about it. Um, there's no violence per se, except for this one scene at the end, um, which is very violent. I mean, Scorsese really can't not do violent. Did no. I say that right? It, there's got to be some. Yeah. And so this has... But the world is violent. I mean, he's not really... You know, he's not really um, doing anything different than what's actually happening. So the world is a violent place. It, it really is incredibly violent. And most people have experienced violence. But most people haven't experienced, you know, seven guys hopped up on coke shooting at each other no um no so there's stuff like that it's scorsese really heightens it um jody foster jody foster won the oscar for the performance and Seeing it now, I question that, and I wonder if she was the lead actress or if it was really Sybil Shepard, or did she win supporting actress? Yeah, I don't remember. I'm not sure now. But uh, Sybil Shepard was incredible. And Harvey Keitel is a prominent figure in this film, in Taxi Driver. I could no more have told you when you first see him with what his what he's wearing and he's in a wig and stuff, that that was Harvey Keitel. Yeah. Until I heard his voice. Best Supporting Actress, by the way. Yeah, okay. Who won Best Actress? Best year? Actor? Best um, Actress that year. I don't know. Oh. I'm just looking up Taxi Driver. Got it. Anyway, um, I don't know. i got to go over the list of what the other nominations were for that category because Jody may have received that award because she was 12. Could be. And I'm not sure what that counts for i'm not sure if that makes you a better actress it's like the tatum o'neill oscar was it that she was such a great actress or that she was so young and did a good job do you know okay. what i mean sure yep so apparently enough people thought she did it uh she did a good enough job so oh absolutely and people are and in the academy and blah 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 i mean it's all weird and corrupt and, anyway. and uh, i can't say anything about uh 11 year old jodie foster but uh the current jodie foster is one of the best actresses out there yeah, exactly. She is nominated this year for Niad, which is another film that I highly recommend. It is a biopic about Diana Niad, who swam from Cuba to Miami. Just incredible. And Jody plays her coach. And, like, partner in the open water marathon swimming career of Diana, who 
completed that feat at age, what, 63? 60-something, yeah. Insane. Oh, my God. I know. I I mean, I won't begin to tell you how unable I am to do anything like that. Um, (laughs) Well, you can swim better than I can, regardless, so. Well, coming next year, Levine, the swimmer who swam. Um, I wish. I wish that was happening. I wish I was that strong. And that Benning was amazing. It was funny because, and this just, just goes to show how amazing she was in this role. I was reading through the nominations and I saw Annette Benning, and I was thinking, what was she in? Annette Benning? And I looked and I saw Nyad, and I said, who was she in Nyad? And it was amazing. I said, holy crow, that's right. She was Diana Nyad. How about that? Yeah. And, uh,. That's quite an acting job when you're able to transform completely into someone else. So um, those are my movie observations and recommendations Okay. for this week. I watched last night because I heard him interviewed by Mark Marin, who's a big fan of his. Bo Burnham. And among other things, I tried watching two different specials of his. Uh, Also, sidebar, Netflix is Comedy Central now. Basically... Well, there are a lot of comedy... uh, I mean, they they took the stand-up comedy... And said, hey, we're going to do this. I mean, no one else is doing it. They, they said, all right, come on, guys. Yes. So all the comedy specials are on Netflix. Yeah, or um, what's the other one? Something to do with a tie. I can't remember. It, it doesn't matter. But. Well. Yeah. Most of the comedy specials are all on Netflix or YouTube if the uh, comedian decides to uh, release it, it there because Netflix won't do it. Well, there's an interesting thing about Netflix and having a Netflix special. I mean, to me, if I hear, oh, so-and-so has a new special on Netflix – And I was thinking about it and realizing that means so little. All of uh, Ricky Gervais's new movies are going on Netflix now. First. Oh, I watched two of his specials also. But I'm glad he's putting a film on Netflix because the comedy specials, you got to wonder... Okay, um, my name's Bo Burnham, and I'm really popular. Or my name is... He's a very peculiar kind of stand-up. I love him. Yeah, and he's very young. How old is he, 20-something? 20-something, yeah. And it's all very musical, so yeah. which, it, which makes it different. Uh, but... So, anyhow... Whoever you're watching. If you you get a chance, uh, YouTube the song, It's Time for Guillotines. Okay. It's a beautiful, patriotic song. I didn't stick through that one, but I'll tell you the the opposite. (laughs) Jim Brewer. Yeah, well, Jim Brewer is... uh, is Jim? You're so funny. Yes. No one deals with Jim Brewer anymore, by the way. He has turned into, uh, first of all, he's so 
disgusting. Well, no, he's still funny, but he is—he's uh, an anti-vaxer. He's a—he's a Trumper. He's a—he's an anarchist. He's—I don't know. He's—he's he's nuts, and he's gotten into a lot of trouble. But he's still out there. Well. What came to my mind was Loser. I mean, if there was one more fart joke, he did so many fart jokes. Yeah, most of most of his jokes are 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 based off of his boys, off his children. So yeah, that's the kind of stuff you get. Well, all I got was political ranting, and of course, ranting about things that. I don't agree with and ranting about things that I disagree with in terms of how he will say such and such a thing happened. Uh, Oh, and then he does this COVID thing that's just, I don't know. Yeah, he doesn't believe in it. Yeah. He's not a... he could call me and I could tell him a little bit about it because, unfortunately, I believe in it, having yeah. had it and been hospitalized for it. God, what is wrong? How many? Well, never mind. Lots. Um, Jim Brewer is a real peg. And, you know, I don't. I truly do not mind what your politics are. Dennis Miller, for instance, mm-hmm. is a right-wing guy. Yeah, he is now. But he's brilliant. And so listening to him is, at the very least, interesting and he's got a mind and a, a way of expressing himself that's pretty extraordinary. Got to give him that. And so listening to him isn't, <laughs> isn't Jim Brewer making a bunch of weird noises and fart jokes. Right. Um, and ranting about how wrong, wrong, they're wrong. Anyway, so what I was going to say about Bo Burnham is that it made me feel, I told Michael this earlier, it made me feel like my parents for the first time. And when I say my parents, I'm using that euphemistically. Um. You know, where people say, oh, I got up in the morning and my grandmother was staring it back to me, back at me. And I, I've said those words, but what it means is I could see the aging. I felt the aging with Bo Burnham. Uh, I felt a complete chasm between me and Bo. Now, Michael doesn't feel that. Michael really likes Bo Burnham. He gets him. Michael spends time on TikTok, which, which I don't do, which, which is where I gather Bo is mostly found. Um, uh, that would be YouTube, probably. But, or YouTube. I mean, that's where I see him. I don't spend any time on YouTube on anything, on Facebook, I'm in the process of deactivated, deactivating X, which is not very easy. Um, but Elon is a lot of things, um, but someone made it almost impossible to do what they tell you to do to deactivate. Anyhow, um, so I, I'm going to do that, too. I just feel bad, you know, about it. What do you mean? You and I met there. Oh, yeah, see, it's not Twitter anymore. Doesn't matter. I still have an attachment. I do, too. 
And I understand the nostalgia and the sentimentalism and the, yeah, I mean, I I, I mean, I don't go there. Well, see, I was going there constantly when I was doing Ukraine 242. And that's where I was finding everyone, all the Ukrainians and Americans and others involved in Ukraine in the war with stories to tell. And that's where I was finding them. So I was on there. Now it's, even if I am looking for stories about Ukraine, it's not there. That's not where anything is anymore that I can trust yeah. and rely upon. So now it would be much more about, I guess, Instagram, YouTube. I'm not sure. Facebook, no. Um, not possible to make those kind of connections there. Anyway, uh, as I was saying about Bo Burnham, I'm completely detached from social media at this point. I very rarely go anywhere on social media, very rarely look at anything. Um, I read a lot of stuff. I never thought I would turn into this person saying this stuff, but that's who I am now. Uh, Anyhow, Bo Burnham is not, to me, was not to me, easily accessible, easily comprehensible and certainly not what you're expecting if you hear him on Mark Marin plugging his new comedy special it's not you know he's not a stand up it's not some guy with a microphone in front of a brick wall you're, well you know neither is or was Zach Galifianakis True. Because he sat there with a piano, and he did his whole show in front of a piano. Well, what he was doing with his um, audio, if you will, and also with his visual, and the fact that he's Zach Galifianakis, so someone who's younger than I am, but not by that much, and who was talking about things that I understand in a way that I understand. So, I see. You've aged out. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Yeah. I am my parents. Um, and I don't mind that I've aged out. It takes work for me to keep up with all the outlets and all the things. Yeah, that's true. There's such division. And most people I know are devoted to one outlet. Huh. So I've got someone that I know on TikTok or that I know that's on Facebook or on Instagram uh, and they don't even know how to access the other things. It gets exhausting. I have so many people who ask me where to get the show. And it used to be easier. Um, I'm talking about right now. Yeah, you might want to. Uh, it's your turn now. You can... Uh talk to the guy about the podcast because I'm I've given up oh well so. thanks for letting me and know and you might want to check your email he may have done it already so no I don't know I don't have any I mean I'll look but 
he never contact, contacted me by email, but we'll see. Anyway, um, right, so especially since we are no longer podcasting, um, the trying to explain to someone who doesn't know how to get it on Facebook is... I don't know what it is. We it's have 708 episodes, and we can't just give those up. If we switch our if we switch our podcast address, it's all gone, and we have to do it all again. We can't do that. You know? I, I'm not suggesting that we do. I wasn't saying you were. I'm saying that's the problem. Anyway, um trying to get people 709 episodes by the way today's episode is 709 mazel um so anyhow it's uh it's difficult and my sense is that things are going to change in some way I think that Facebook, I mean, X or Twitter or whatever the heck you want to call it is is going away. It isn't worth anything anymore. It's worth oh. about 57 cents. I mean, just the other day, uh, it, it, the price of it was downgraded from 71% below what he purchased it for, which was, um, or what it was worth. When he purchased it for $44 billion, it was estimated it was worth around $11 billion then, and it's worth 71% less than that now. Yeah. So, yeah. It, I mean, he can keep throwing money at it. He's got the money to do it, but I doubt he'll want to. Well, see, I don't even care. It's, it's not... I don't care that the name was changed... I don't love it, but I don't care. I don't care about any of it. What I care is the content is miserable. And what he's putting out there is miserable. Um, He's coming out on talk shows now and spewing fascist remarks and pointing to big fascist platforms um widely publicized in the news not little snippets from here and there you know people who have written books and who teach at universities and the really scary stuff and he holds it up and says yes this is the book this is the whatever um he's out there and so once he started doing that, he really, he lost, like, every sponsor. Certainly every sponsor. Well, he actually told uh, Apple to, uh, quote, For- F off. Fork themselves. Yeah. Fork off. Well, yeah, I mean, the New York Times left. That's a big account. <laughs> Yeah, I mean that's it's not bigger than Apple, but yeah. No, but I mean, in terms of what I was doing on Twitter, the New York Times was huge for me. That's oh, yeah, where I course. would find yeah. a lot of stories, a lot of people, um, all major news outlets were important to me. The Kiev Independent, I think they left. Well, if you want uh, if you want information from Alex Jones or Tucker Carlson, you're all set. Mm-hmm. So and and they haven't been great sources of inspiration uh, for for you for me doing yeah. radio. Yeah, I know they are for some others and yeah, people who want to go out and shoot people, shoot up churches and schools and shit. Yeah. You know what I saw today that was as funny as it was alarming? 
some guy, not a Trumper, went to a Trump event, I don't know, a rally or something, out of curiosity. And he had two hats. And one said, RFK 2024. Uh-huh. And the other one said, JFK 2024. Uh-huh. And these were embroidered. I mean, you know. Yeah. They looked, uh, yeah, legitimate. Not something, and like still in their wrapping and their play. Not something someone just printed up. You know, for fun. Um, something that was getting sold at a Trump thing. So, this is a group of people that are willing to get out there. And do they believe? I mean, I, I'm stunned. Do they believe that? The Kennedys who were killed in the 60s are, what is it that they think, that they're still alive or they're coming back from the dead? What What is it? Do you know? No, I don't really know. Uh, I, I don't know. I, 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 they think... Uh, he's not dead. So, so you know, he's all, just 180. All, yeah, it's all, you know, and uh, he's under the table, Illuminati, you know, and he's all co- that stuff. coming back to Dealey Plaza. That's right. right. He's going to take over. And why there? Because that's where he fakely was murder. I heard the other day that Obama is still running things and Biden is just his puppet. Oh. Well, that would be interesting yeah. <laughs> news. It's funny. You should or you could um, check out what Obama's been up to and what he's been saying. Uh, certainly not anything that would indicate that Biden is his puppet. That's right, but that's because he's so slick. Well, Obama... And he might be a robot anyway. He is slick, and I miss him. I know, I know, but come on, people. I mean, that guy was an... is an exemplary human being and extraordinarily smart and wow he could throw a speech together even extemporaneously like nobody's business handsome physically fit you know out there playing basketball all the time and yep running and all the things and uh, speaking to almost anyone so including David Sedaris so there you go anyway I wish in a way that Biden was Obama's puppet assuming that that would mean Obama was operating yeah, I think that's what, that's that's what the lunatics believe. Yeah. Um, but the lunatics have to think about Obama and Biden <laughs> and how much influence Obama has on Biden and what Biden's doing. Right. So well, he's got some kind of blackmail over him, obviously, because of the deals with his son. You know. You know what I'm saying. Yeah, those illegal illegal uh, Ukrainian deals with uh, Hunter, so that's how that's the hold Obama has over him. Well, you know, it's funny because I had an opportunity 
to speak to several people, several Ukrainians, and these were Ukrainians of some standing. Yeah, true, including a Nobel Peace Prize winner. Right. I didn't speak to her about Hunter Biden. No, but you did speak to her. But I did speak to her. But I spoke to people who were in some way related to that industry. Mm -hmm. Right, the oil industry and all that To Burisma. Yeah. Yes, to energy. Um, And people, you know, people in the government, people... People who know, major people. And I would say to them, what's the view over there on the Hunter Biden thing? Um, what did he do? Right. You know, do, do you, does anyone there talk about it? Blah, 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 whatever questions I could put together. And they all would sort of say. Who? Well, yeah. They would say, that's not a thing here. Yeah. That's a thing in the United States. We don't talk about it really. We don't think about it really. We don't understand what, you know, everyone's panties are in a twist about over there in America. And excuse me, I've got to go fight a war. I, yeah. I have to go get back in the trench. So, yeah, they were definitely thinking about other things. But the people I did speak to, and also Americans, you know, American military, national security people, people whose... It, it's... It's not important other than to say that whole thing is such a joke. Yeah. And when you – there's this thing about whataboutism, right? And there are several views. So if you – if someone says to you – I think, oh, I don't know. I think Trump shouldn't have done blah, blah, blah. Shouldn't have taken home, you know, secret files. Okay. Um, And then someone says, well, what about Hillary's emails? You know, Mm -hmm. to me, that's what a badism. That's exactly right. But there's hypocrisy which i cannot stand and so it's not always what about ism it's sometimes if you're if this is a deal right if this is a situation where were you and what were you doing during that situation You know, shouldn't you maybe tend to your own lawn before you denigrate mine? Yeah. I I just feel like there are points when there are hypocrisies uh, that are unfair and that don't necessarily fall into. But I got to say, Obama, Michelle... Those daughters, holy smokes. Those are four incredible people. They could be members of the Howe family. Now that I think about it, if you know a Howe, you know what I'm talking about. Well, it was snowy. Yeah, we had rain and snow, but I mean, a little stuck on the ground. It wasn't too bad. It wasn't like... Anywhere north of here. We were very fortunate. Yep. Cape Cod. I hope the Cape Cod magic hangs on this weekend, this coming weekend. I guess it's supposed to be pretty 
lousy. Mm. Uh, I am going to say once again that where is my my seeing apparatus? I was going to say once again that if you want to understand not exactly rudimentarily, but if you don't have a good grasp on what's going on in Gaza and Israel and with Hamas and what Hamas is, please read My Promised Land by Ali Shavit. There's also a novel out called The Bee Sting that is fantastic. Read that and enjoy that. And for everyone all over the world who is suffering, and by my lights, that's everyone, please put a light on.